Uh, welcome to Dead Cat. Uh, this is Eric Newcomer. Tom Dotan is here, and we've got Kara Swisher. Kara and I uh, just left code, though much more intense uh, for her. Kara, how, did you say 16 interviews or how many interviews? 16. Did, yeah. 16, yeah. And they were all big ones. They weren't small. They weren't like, you know, sometimes you have a sort of a palate cleanser, but it was went from Pete Buttigieg to Andy Jassy to... Bob Iger to Johnny Ive, Lorraine Jobs, and Tim Cook uh, to Amy Klobuchar. It just wasn't like they weren't easy. <laughs> yeah, not easy. High expectations and topically and you, different. Right. Topically different. The minute after I finished, I did a pivot episode with, oh with my Scott God. Is back from his Scott Free August. So, um, you know, I do four podcasts a week. It's really it's fine. I'm I'm, I'm just fine. It's it's good. That's how we we want to. You know, Code was designed that everybody's a headliner. Essentially, some conferences have a headliner and then a bunch of you know, lesser, lesser or weaker speakers or sometimes sponsors, unfortunately. And uh, we just felt that the way we designed it was everybody, it was a kind of a can't miss for almost every single uh, one. Right. And then we had these interstitial ones that were great. They were great this year. And we're working on a piece that will be out by the time this airs about code. And it does, cool. it does feel like so many of the conferences you go to, the questions are for the people who aren't in the know. And then, you know, the hang, there's the background hanging. But I, I do think you do such a good job of making uh, the actual interviews feel feel essential. Well, you know, that's how it was started. Walt and I used to go to a lot of conferences. There were tons of them back then, like Agenda. And some of them were good, you know, but they, most of, a lot of it, first of all, was very sponsor-driven. And so they were sort of done in this PR kind of way. And they were very light interviews by people who weren't journalists sometimes. Like, uh, I mean, I like a lot of these technologists, but they really can't. You know, how smart is your brain? How big is your brain? And <laughs> right. so we're news-oriented. Um, you know, people copied us for years, you know, whether lots of different people tried to do different things, post us, including the Wall Street Journal, right. which called this Conference D, if you can believe it, <laughs> because they're so creative, they can't come up with something fresh and new. So, you know, we just tried, we just did it. I mean, we actually changed over the years too. We didn't keep to the same stuff. Um, we, things didn't work, we changed them, but our whole focus is on the audience and what they would like, you know, that's how, that's how, just like we think right. about readers. When we I mean, were there, there were a number of themes uh, to come out of the conference, mm -hmm. but part of the reason I wanted to have you on and like a big one was sort of like Kara's last code, like why? You know, why is this yeah. sort of the last code? And yeah, I it had sort of a, you know, finality to it, but you've got so many projects. Like are I yeah, do. That's what, why. What That's why. I'm Rachel Maddow. <laughs> Just think I'm Rachel Maddow of tech. Uh, they asked her why. She had this very she's a hit show five right. days a week. Right. I, I've done it twenty years. And honestly, I've delivered so much good content to you, you all should stop bothering me about it. But you know, every year. But are you winding down or are you no, shifting? No, just just other things interest me. It's just, it's like putting on a Broadway show every year and it's sort of, can you top this? And last year was great. We had Elon and Sacha and, you know, Mark Benioff, et cetera, et cetera. Just really great interviews. But it just, every every year, I guess I want a, a new thing. I want to, I'm like a cook and I want to make a new thing. That's all. And I'm, you know, you run a successful restaurant or whatever it is, you sort of want to try something new. And so Pivot was that for me, you know, and we did all things, uh, we did Recode, Decode, and then I moved over to the Times. Uh, and now I'm back at uh, doing another new one at Vox, which is a little different. I wanted to sort of change out the way I do my interview shows. So I just do that all the time. When I don't, when I'm like, mm, no, I think I'll do something else. I'm very much like a cook. I'm like, I don't want to make this cake anymore. It's a very good cake. And, and I hope you enjoy it. I charge a lot for my cake. <laughs> is the pivot, is pivot going to replace it in some ways? Or it, It's not replacement. It's different. It's such a different product, right? Yeah. We're going to, we did a pivot event that I right. liked a lot. It was really fun to do that one. I, I a really fun time doing this one, but Pivot, the Pivot fans are really rabid in a way that I love. Um, and they're much more of a community. Explain to me who's a typical Pivot fan. What do they? How do they characterize them? I, you don't know. Literally, I I like some guy in Queens. Well, what they do is they meet you on the street and want to talk to you incessantly, which is great. We love it. You know, I was in, in Los Angeles having lunch at this place and two people came up to me and she was an interior designer and he was a, was an architect. Uh, you know, they love Pivot. And then this guy in Queens, he did his U-turn on the street and jumped out of the car. I thought I was in Taken for a second. Uh -huh. Yeah, that could have gone many, many and directions. And he just wanted a selfie with me and he was a plumber. He was a plumber. <laughs> I was like, so it's a very different kind of... I would say it's probably younger, but no, we had a lot of young people this year at Code who were Pivot fans, actually, interestingly. 
Oh, interesting. And, and Pivot's broader, right? I mean, you're sort of moving, you're transcending tech in a certain way, right? Or how do you think about yes, that? Yes, it's funnier. It's got that weird relationship between me and Scott, um, you know, <laughs> which is it's charismatic. It really is. It's a great chemistry that we have together. And it's, um, I can also, one of the things that, if you notice the third day, and I was thrilled that so many people stayed, one of the problems with code was we would do the third day. And I, I would joke, uh, this is a joke I make many times. If I book Jesus as the last speaker, a lot of people would be like, oh, I have a Southwest flight. Right, and I'm like, right. but he's back. It's kind of a big deal that Jesus is back. He's yeah. returned. He's Also come pretty back. tough to explain <laughs> to Jesus's PR agent that he's not the headliner. Right? I know, you right? Know? I know. But I would put him at the end to keep people there. But they wouldn't. They'd be like, right. oh, you know, I got to get twice. back for whatever, you know. And so at the last day of code, I changed to be more like a pivot conference, um, which is People you don't know, companies like that woman who was doing wave technology was amazing. Like, you know, wave energy technology. She was fantastic. She couldn't make the big stage at Code because everybody wants Tim Cook, right? Right. So I can, the, the Pivot Conference, I can have one or two big headliners. And I, we, last year we had Brian Chesky and the head of Goldman Sachs. And then we have all these companies you, you may not have heard of, but are fantastic. We can also be more diverse. And I don't just mean people of color and women, although I do mean that, but age, uh, conservatives. We had a bunch of conservatives on stage you know just it was just it's just an opportunity Wait, and then why you can't you go- be uh why can't you have conservatives a code i did notice i can that- i invited a lot i can i did last year there I were, did- it was sort of a democratic primary element it was with, I, uh- <laughs> I asked 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 i got a lot of no's so- did you ask ron DeSantis? would you have I done did. that yeah yeah because I, I, I mean, it would yeah. be great. but they can't live in the same factual universe as you. Or how would that have? That's the problem. It I, would have I don't seemed, know why they don't. See, it would have they seemed demeanor, press. right? You would have had to have been. Like, no. How would you have done no. that interview? I would have asked him directly, and when he was factually inaccurate, I would point it out, like everybody else. I want. Right. I'd like to get to what his mentality. He certainly has. He was discussed a lot. Like I forget who was talking about how good he is. Oh, I think it was Bob Iger at. Um, you know, the way he presents himself. One of them was... T- yeah, I remember very- that. I'm trying to remember who said it. Um, who it was. I think I thought it was Bob Iger, but... Well, I mean, uh, Iger certainly has a very interested I angle on, on DeSantis because obviously yeah. everything's happened with Disney and, you know, yeah. his successor fucked that one up. Yeah, but actually Disney's doing just fine. So, you know, it's yeah. a wash, essentially. Disney World's still there. Yeah, it's fine. And they, their numbers were fine. They're, actually, their parks are doing really well. You know, I wanted to have Iger because I love, I really have liked talking to him over the years. And he's a little bit unplugged, which, as you could see, he's a he charmer. Said a he was probably he's my great. favorite, just like raw charisma. Yeah. And also, he was like, oh, this, okay, that, this is going to, he never would have talked. Well, no, he did. He was always a really good interview as a CEO. But now he's like, could give a fuck and is like, here, let me tell you what I actually think. Who who outperformed expectations or let's let's talk the I, You know, honestly, people ask me that all the time. I thought they all were very good. I didn't find any of the interviews like, oh, that sucked. You know, sometimes many years that happens. But like Carly Fiorina was just terrible, huh. for example. Uh and we got into a bit of a of a of a of a beef testy thing going on. But you know, I thought they were all great. I can't think of one. I thought Cuban was, it was all people I like to talk to. I actually programmed because of people I like to talk right. to. And I didn't program people I didn't like to talk to. You know what I mean? I was like, although I, thought, I did, you know, I did ask Mark Andreessen. He said, no, no yeah. fucking way, I think was the answer for that one. Well, because, and, w- and what's the reason for that, you think? I mean, he oh, just feels like. Whatever he's doing now, his little act of, you know, victim and right wingy. I don't know what he's doing. What well, is, didn't you say doing? on stage? You said on stage that uh, people that Mark Andreessen had said the tech set still liked you because of Stockholm syndrome, right? Oh, that didn't was you? when there was an article. Yeah, he said yeah. that many years ago. Yeah, but I guess he's uh, through that. You know, I knew him really well, and he's been on stage at Code. He's given ama- the reason I want to have him. He gave him amazing interviews. We also had Bill Gurley coming, but his mom died. Yeah. And uh, he was going to give this amazing presentation. I love Bill Gurley. He's such a big thinker. We haven't always agreed. We used to argue about Uber all the time. But um, I, I was I was sorry that one didn't happen. That was one I'm really, um, I'm hoping to have him on my new podcast because I think he's a really interesting thinker and open totally. to, you know, he's an adult, you know, he's an adult. Like some of these people, they're like, they, ha- they do calculations, like, why should I do it? I can, you know, go on Joe Rogan and they'll just suck up every word right. I say and say it's fantastic. So they don't, some people want to be challenged, some people don't. And I right. have the people who like being challenged. And Bill, Bill Gurley was my... First article when I put up the paywall has been very generous and is always open. Yeah, to he's interesting. You don't drill, have to agree with like, him. Know. I've gotten lots right. of testy notes from him or salty notes from him. But you know, I, I wanted again. I wanted big thinkers. I would hope to bring back Mary Meeker, but she was her schedule was she had scheduled something. She had gone every year to code and or most years to code and given this amazing internet 
trending. I mean, um, I, from, sure. from from observing it, I mean, it seemed like you guys were both. I mean, maybe Scott more than you, but we're very happy with how Evan Spiegel, the Snap CEO, performed. Yeah. I mean, he was just coming off of that earnings call where he didn't say yeah, anything. He did a good job. Yeah, I mean, I don't he know. He wasn't yeah, hiding he, the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. And I thought Scott, that last question about fatherhood really shook him up. He wasn't expecting it. That's why I like Scott there. He, he'll he ask some right out of left field <laughs> Brooke, Brooke was like booing it. I, Brooke Hammerling was like, I don't know. It was a funny one. It's like, it, I mean, it's fun to have those out of left field. That's why I like Scott sitting there. But he was tough on him. He was tough on him about a couple things. I was, I was, I actually talked to Scott. He's usually asks those out of left field questions, but he asked some very pertinent management and stock questions that I thought. Yeah, it's a pretty pivotal moment for the company. How have you seen, by the way, you know, from the beginning when it was all things D up till now, the like changing demeanor of the execs as they, you know, approach these interviews? I mean, was it a bit freer in the past and now they're so much more coached? Yes, but not not these people. I invited people who weren't that way, who weren't going to, I would, they weren't, I wasn't having it and they knew I wasn't having it. And so like Mark Cuban wasn't going to try to, try to talking point me. But what about Sundar? Sundar Pichai. I mean, I feel like he's good at... That's the way he is. I know. That's the way he is. I feel like you enjoy it in the moment, then afterwards, I'm like, what did he say? Like, Well, it's true. You got a glimpse into him. Now, let me just say, he's like that off the record. He's like that, you know, he's very... First of all, he's a lovely man. He's a very lovely, sweet man. And um, he's not like the founders, I can tell you that. And so, who could be very difficult and... Just difficult. We've had them on stage. We had them together. One of the, I think the first code we had them together. But I, I, I thought it was just interesting for people to see these people in action. And he, he's just by nature a cautious person. So I think it was he wasn't trying to spin necessarily. It's he, he's very deliberative. And so I want people to, if, even if he doesn't answer the way you want him to or get news. Although by the way, Eric, plenty of news. You're welcome. Like, <laughs> well, that's not my business anymore. It's funny now. Now I've totally evolved into one of these people who's happy to have them for like the vibes rather than the news. It's funny. No, you but do, it's not just the hedge. vibes. It's how they answer. Right. Exactly. What that's they're what, saying. You know, right. Exactly. What they are. How saying. they think about things. But did exactly. you know? Here, let me give you an example. And I'll I'll help you. Uh, when I said, <laughs> here's the question you should he, ask, Eric. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Twitter. <laughs> He said, absolutely not. He made a face and he was like, I wouldn't stay away from that piece of shit. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. And I asked Pinterest. Oh, my God. He was so flustered. So when now we amazing. think he's buying Pinterest. Right. I think he is. Yeah, that was the worst handling of a single question I think anybody. Well, he, he can't. He's such a bad poker player. Yeah. I did it on purpose preceding it with Twitter because then Pinterest was second. That We planned that. Right. So that, it was well, smart. Because we knew he would. He went so big on denying Twitter. And then when she said yes. Pinterest – Obviously, yeah. there was a truthiness to it that he would seem like a real liar mm-hmm. if he went so big and then he was caught. Mm-hmm. So it was it was, it was well-structured question. And I also know that he doesn't like that. Other people don't mind lying to me, to my face. Steve Jobs loved to do it. Like, I am not making a phone, Kara. I don't know what you're talking about oh. in the next year. Here's our phone. Well, I enjoyed that because you brought that up to Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. Tim Cook gave this elaborate defense of Steve Jobs saying that basically, oh, Steve hadn't committed to doing the phone yet because he wasn't sold on the carriers. I know. Did you, it was a funny, like, <laughs> why Why do you need to, like, it might it's be like true. he was okay. Yeah, but it's. I did. That might be true. They might. He might have been struggling with them for a long time, but they were still working on He still right, because he right. was working on a phone. So I asked him, I went back and looked and I said, are you working on a phone I don't know if you're going to launch it, but is that an important thing for you? I was very specific. I'm very specific, so they can't weasel out of it. But in that case, yes, I saw him do that. That's fine. Whatever. I I want to go back to this idea of them becoming a bit more closed off as time went on. I mean, what do you think that's a result of? Is it just the PR apparatus around them getting to be more controlling? They're just being more coached? Just the tech posture being so much more uh, present in the national conversation that these Mm -mm. guys are aware (laughs) that if they say things, it can fuck up larger processes? I think there's a bit of regulatory, you know, actually, these are people who talk more than most people, more more than most corporate people. So that's to start with, they are that way. But one thing that they do that I think is interesting is it's not all of them, some of them, I don't think Mark Cuban's changed an iota really over the years. They become um, surrounded by people who lick them up and down all day <laughs> and agree with them vehemently. And so when someone challenges them, I don't think they know what to do. And I think they become, uh, you know, they get in these, if you ever watch Succession, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and I know the creators really, I talked to them about this, 
These spaces they're in, they're all cashmere and comfort, but they get smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. And so they're very comfortable and expensive, but they're hermetically sealed. And so a lot of these people are surrounded by people who agree with them violently. And so, and because they get paid, they get, they get paid and they benefit from those people. Oh, you know, Mark, you're so smart. Of course, don't listen to Kara. Like, and I've had some really good points he should have listened to, right, over the years. And, you know, I've had encounters like that with Mark Zuckerberg where I say, that was stupid. And he's like, what are you talking about? Everyone agrees. I'm like, everyone who pays you agrees. Like, everything you say, because you're in charge of this, I don't work for you. And so I think that's what happens more as they get richer and richer and more disinvolved with actual people, which, you know, from the plane with the nannies to the, you know, whatever, you know, from the plane right. to the car to their house to their security. They all have security now. They never did. It's a different life. And then some of them get out, right? Like Bill Gates is much better since he left, you know, since he's doing other things. He's very easy to talk to, actually. He was very difficult to talk to. He was always difficult. That was not had nothing to do with <laughs> wealth. But mm-hmm. I think he just learned how to talk, actually. Right. Right. But if they're by nature like that, they're going to behave like that, right? If they're by nature, like Andy Jassy was there since he was in high college. He's been at Amazon since he's college. He loves his little country of Amazon. So yeah. he's he believes in it. He actually does. And if you understand that about them, I don't, I think reporters usually go, oh, they're lying. Oh, talking points. I don't think that's, you have to understand them as people. And I think most reporters have a, have a, have a tendency to, not assume they're people. And right. Assume That's what how doing. I was. I mean, certainly I'm slowly evolving to that. Oh, no, it reflects their personalities in some way. I mean, well, I that's the, why Twitter is sometimes an interesting lens into these people's mm-hmm. minds and Jeff their insecurities. Bezos. Jeff Bezos, Bezos, right? I mean, this, this guy. This queen for, thing. I was let, she doesn't like the queen. Let her not like the fucking queen, <laughs> tone police. Right. That was weird. It was a tone police. He literally complains about tone and woke culture and then he just wokes this lady out the door whatever yeah it's incredible and, and it's and i noticed it since he stepped down as ceo he's really let his twitter game fly and and, it, and it's so much fun to watch i mean i really want to encourage it from him because <laughs> i do too although i have to say i don't think he's very good at it and i don't know but that's he why seems it's not great smart. Too. he seems Bad. not very smart he seems reactive which is, again, incredible because this is a guy who was built up as like the great business leader of our time and deserves credit for a lot of things that Amazon is. But like you imagine that everything that comes out of his mouth is like a pearl. And in yeah. fact, it's just but like, they're not they're not posters. I can't imagine Bezos has been consuming the Internet sort of in the constant. I think level. he probably is. Oh, I think he's paying it. He's like playing catch up. But it, it feels like some of the, these things seem such obvious, like self-owns, that if you like, well, spend a ton of yeah. time on the in internet. In his case, it's interesting because he – now, just an insight to his thing. He was always argumentative and very difficult to talk to in terms of – he has a sort of ha-ha laugh personality. He's very difficult and sometimes unpleasant person, right? And so one at a time I remember I wrote something in the Wall Street Journal. They had gotten into trouble for – for paying people for promoting products on the site. And they had always had the image of everything's equal. We're just putting it out there. And, you know, so they got extra money if you put, I don't know, um, some shampoo in a more prominent search position, essentially, back then. This is early Amazon days. But it was getting payment. It was merchandising is what it was, merchandising payments, which – I had covered retail for seven years, and that's the end cap. People pay to be in supermarkets on the end cap, right? Pretty basic. And I use that comparison. I'm like, I covered this is the end cap. This is what he's doing. And then, and and he promised not to. He had I had had quotes where he said, "I'd never do that. I'd never do what retail does." And he did it. And I pointed out. He came up to me to TED, and he started yelling at me like, "That's not the same thing." And I was like, you know, relax, you know sweetheart but you know it's just it was really interesting so he's he is obstreperous he's just hidden the obstreperousness and we had we had a very big argument and then sort of okay but he uh he has a that is his personality what you're seeing on twitter is what he's what i experienced back in the day when he was calling me constantly because he wanted press i think you also hit on a particular a particular sore spot for tech executives, which is when you point out that their innovations are actually things that the regular world, the regular world has been doing for decades. I find well, that this they was, get he didn't want to seem like that. he was just venal like they were. And I'm right. like, you're right. just venal like they are. I think that's more, not that they, he wasn't innovative, but that he was doing exactly what he said he wouldn't do. And right. 
he was just like them. And so one of my things with all these people, when I covered them, they, you know, they sort of think they hung the moon and aren't they innovative? And this, you know what? A banker's innovative. So is a pharmacist. Big pharma is innovative. They've come up with some pretty cool drugs and also problems. And so the problem with tech is they, they get so licked up and down all day long that they think they hung the moon. And so not all of them. Do you think are- they're, I mean, the tech media got so negative, like, it got boring a little well, bit. Well, I think right? I started it, but I agree. <laughs> I uh, we were yeah, you always pivoted. Very I mean, skeptical. what you, you were you sort of burned down Mark Zuckerberg a little bit, right? I mean, you're Marissa. You, yeah, I mean Travis. Right. Yeah, but I mean, do you? But now are you? You're sort of you're going no, back to no, the positive No, I, I think side, that was or? exactly the right thing to point out. What what was happening at the at time? Facebook. But what about now? Like, what's your mood at the moment? Oh, I or, still I still have all kinds of problems. I you think, think negative? Comp- not negative. It's skeptical. You have to be skeptical. I think sometimes snarky is what's the point? And it's right. unfair. It's actually unfair as 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 a, you have to listen to their argument and and uh, you can't just assume out of hand that they're lying to you. And I think one of the things I learned as a reporter over the years. I used to think, oh, they're lying to me. What are they lying to me about? <laughs> now I think, what are they lying to themselves about? Right? <laughs> I love what it. do they have to That's say? And the second part is, what do they have to? What has to come out about them? They, what do they have to present? Right. You know, Steve Case, for example, this is way back. Used to always have to be right in the end, and he often was. By the way, he's very prescient. If you look at some old Steve Case stuff, the stuff he wrote, the last book he wrote was just. Dead on is what's happening now. This was a long time ago. Um, he has a new book out, I think, coming. But he always has to be right in the end. And I like that. I, I just, as long as you know it, um, someone like, uh, I'm trying to think of someone who would be, Ted Leonsis, I'm just using AOL people. He really liked to be liked. That was critical. If he wasn't liked, he didn't, he felt uncomfortable. And so if you figure out psychologically what they're, the thing that's going on with them, it's, it's very. It's a lot easier to see them as people, and I don't mean to say they're not powerful. They don't, aren't manipulative. The companies aren't damaging. It's just that I think we spend a lot of time on the stuff that doesn't matter, and don't pay attention to the stuff that does. And that's that's what I mean. Skeptical is what you need to be, not snarky and not mean. Not there's no. When I was going after Marissa Mayer, I my premise was she is not qualified to run this company. And also, this company is headed for the trash heap anyway, and this bullshit about reviving it is bullshit, and all they own is Alibaba, and that's what happened. And same you, you, don't, thing. you don't look back at all at your Marissa coverage and think it might have been a little bit mean? No. Go read it. No. No. I didn't. I never wrote about her clothes. I never wrote about her. Uh, it, it, there were a lot of... Remember that g- glamour fashion shoot everyone sure. went on? Yeah, Vanity Fair or something, the centerfold. I you know. didn't write about Mark's looks ever. I never wrote about his personal life. The other thing that I remember once, she was late to a meeting uh, at Con, and all these people... She, was, she wasn't a very good CEO calling back clients. That was... Everybody knew that. <laughs> Which is like key time. for Yahoo, right? You're, right. You're, yeah, yes. we, we want Marissa you know, to come time. on, by the way. She can come and respond to Kara's depiction of this. No, but she wasn't. It wasn't a depiction. They, they said it on the record. It wasn't these, the, you know, the heads of all these ad agencies. Yeah. She she ghosted them quite a lot. And okay, that's, that's, she needs to, you can't do that when you're in the ad business. And so, so she was late to a meeting in Con. Evan had a habit of doing that, by the way, too. Do you remember that? She was, but she missed it because she was mm-hmm. sleeping because she had jet lag. I, I, I remember you writing about this. Yeah. I didn't write about it. I oh, didn't okay. write about <laughs> it. Okay. Okay. I didn't because one, I thought maybe she's pregnant. I thought maybe she missed a meeting and Nikesh Aurora missed dozens of them. So why right. should I call her out when he used to do it all the time? And so there was, uh, there was a lot we didn't, we didn't pick on. We only picked on the business aspects of their, the problems. We did not pick on them personally. We did not think they were had necessary, except for Travis. I do think he had malintent. We, we didn't assume that they were bad people necessarily. They just were, most of them aren't, by the way. Yeah. A big question of tech coverage that you're getting at, which is just, do you think the public and the press assesses these companies based on a scorekeeping of their policy decisions and moral rights and wrongs? Or do you think it's it's very personality driven. People's feelings about Mark Zuckerberg seem the public's feelings about Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. seem to drive their perception of Facebook so much more yeah. than their understanding of all the little scandals. Yeah, it happened happen. to Gates too, but it happened to Gates, and then he changed it because of all the philanthropy. It happens to people, and so and Gates has shifted his image, right? Because it, all the really 
tremendous philanthropy is doing. It doesn't leave behind what he did. Same thing with the queen. Like today, I was watching Twitter. It was really interesting. And you have those who are like, queen, she's fantastic. And then there's others like, hey, colonial dame. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't forgive her for that. And I get both sides. Like, you can't leave behind the past that you had. Now, she's not particularly responsible for it individually, but she was the queen and presided over a lot of really brutal stuff. Lord Mountbatten in India, all kinds of stuff. You can carry two visions in your head of people. Right. I think the reason everyone was paying attention to Mark Zuckerberg is because it's the biggest. That's all. It's the biggest and it's the most careless. It was the most careless or it has been. And so if it's the biggest, it gets the most attention. And they have to, that's what I was trying to get at with several people is like, they don't consider themselves powerful. It's really astonishing. We're pirates. Well, I'm well like, it was oh. almost co- comedic. They were all, because they're also worried about antitrust, which was a big theme. You know, you had Amy yeah. Klobuchar there. You were good about surfacing that. But they were, like, yeah. there was a part where Sundar was almost celebrating how poorly mm-hmm. they were doing in cloud. Because somebody asked about cloud. It's like, you don't have enough market share. And it's like, mm-hmm. see, we're not a monopoly. Like, don't worry about yeah, it. Well, you know, it was right. like these CEOs, normally you think of them as like, right. I know, but, but normally they're shilling, you know, how good they are. But like the big tech well, or CEOs. Or else Andy's have... saying 1% of retail, right? <laughs> right yeah, and I'm like, you... <laughs> 53% of online commerce. Yes, but 1% of retail. And so you know, it's whatever. As long as you, I like to hear how they defend themselves. It's interesting. Yeah. It's always a dance. I mean, I remember, you know, covering Snap when Facebook was just, you know, reaming them with copying all their features. Mm -hmm. And everyone was telling me, you know, oh, Facebook just wants to kill Snap. And I was like, no, they don't. They want Snap to be there because they're the perfect response to the fact that Facebook is a monopoly. It's like, how mm-hmm. can we be a monopoly? This other company exists that has 200 million daily users. But then, so, of course, TikTok shows up with the thing that actually works. Right. And, and right. then, of course, Mark's got cards that say China, China. If you notice, I did an interview with him in 2018. He was already doing it. China, 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 China. And by the way, I tend to agree with him on that. But right. he was doing it for his interests versus the real threat of... of but um, also remember, China. this is probably after he, you know, spent that year learning Mandarin and wanted to expand Facebook into China. He and did. once that fell on its well, face, it he's like, actually... Well, it is insane that Facebook can't go to China and TikTok can. Forget the national yes, security is. thing. It's just like, it's not a fair competitive landscape. Anyway, I wanted to go no, back... you might agree with these tech people sometimes. Right, right. You know, that's the problem. Is now I'm allowed to. I can admit it. You know, you you can you admit to your opinions, right? We did that. That was the design of Recode all right. the time. I know. That I, was the original design. Because I, I was told at the you, Wall Street I Journal. I admire you. I copy you. You know, it's good. It's a good. We thing were to do. at the Wall Street Journal, and I wrote a story about Webvan, and I was like, I did a ton of reporting, and I was like, this is a fucking mathematical disaster. Like, and doesn't, and I don't mean to say they're not going to be food delivery. I don't mean to say that someday when everything aligns that it's not a great idea. But this particular company is a mathematical fucking disaster. And I was going to say something like that. In the journal. And the editor sent it back to me. It's like, can you get someone else to say this? I'm like, no, no, I'm right. I did the reporting, (laughs) reported analysis. And I called it the to be sure statement, too. They always put it to be sure. Some people don't think that, you know, <laughs> they Cosmo.com is a disaster it, you know. <laughs> waiting to, is one sexual assault away from the end of their business. But many do not. Like that, I hate the to be sure. Right. So at Recode, I, de- I designed the editorial as never a to be fucking sure sense. Say what you think. So Peter Kafka was very good at this. He'd write a, uh, he'd break a story and he said, okay, this is what they mean. This is what they're saying. This is, you know, he would give you his knowledge and experience based on reporting. And then he could say, like, that's not, and one thing that drives me crazy is often I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll make a prediction about something. It's not a prediction. It's based on reported analysis. And uh, several times they're like, oh, you got that right. I'm like, no, no, I, I just, just like as if I was, I wanted to be a CIA analyst. And so I just did the work and right. made a right. presumption well, based. When you could get uh, anonymous sources to Yeah, so that's right what direction. we did. That's all we did at Recode is we were like, okay, Comcast is saying this, but really this is what's happening. I think Puck does a great job of it, actually. You're, on, you're on a reporter uh, podcast and we're talking about hard questions. So mm-hmm. what's the what's the status of Recode? I mean, it feels like Recode's business is no largely idea. dependent on the conference. No, no, it has not. It's not affiliated. You hired so many great, so many great reporters have come up through it. I guess is is Recode succeeding? How would you take uh, it's not, stock? It's of not Recode? linked anymore. It's not. Yeah. People have it. It's not. The code is the code is separate yeah. now from Recode. Okay, it's not the same. That was when we had the Recode business by itself that we sold to Vox, and then the Code Conference went into their events division. Whether they're going to do the cut does something, it's all in the events business now. So it's not affiliate. 
it's not within that PNL anymore. Right. And so the PNL of Recode or the staff of Recode is within Vox, I think. I think yeah. it's Vex.com. And so that's where it is. So it's not the code conference isn't financially lifting the other one. And then Vox decides if they need more tech reporters or if they can make enough ad money or this and that. I stopped working really for Recode when I started doing the podcast. Right. Me and a, I took an intern and I went, I was running it and I said, Jim, I don't want to run. I, I don't like management very much. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not bad at it, but I don't like it. And I want to do this podcast thing. And I think it's going to be a big business. And so since I already had a business that made a lot of money for them, they they tend to believe me, right? They tend right. to give me the chance to, to try things. And so I literally took an intern. <laughs> He's now tweets angry things all the time. I love him. He's great. Oh, Noah Colwin. It was oh, Noah, yeah. yeah. Good it was job. me and yeah, Noah. Yeah. It was just I know Noah. Yeah. And Jim was great in that regard. I'm like, I'm not going to run this anymore. You'll find someone yeah. else. And he was like, oh, oh, because they'd like to keep you in that job forever, right? right? And so I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make you tons of money. And it makes right. tons of money. It makes tons of money. And so that's that's all. And so the podcast is in the podcast division. The last thing you learn you're saying about yourself is sort of you wanted to be the creator rather than the manager. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I don't know what else to say. I just, I get bored. You once bored. wanted to be a manager and you no longer. I didn't really. Yeah. It just, I had to do it because that's the way it is. You know, if, when you're running things. I mean, don't you like working by yourself now? Isn't it nice? I, I miss colleagues. I like human do? beings, you know. <laughs> no, I have a lot. I have a ton on the podcast. And then. I, li I like being in charge. Certainly I like that part of it. I like yeah. my voice being sort of the deciding one. And Me I feel too. like, you know, yeah. I wanted to go back to Andy Jassy. I know we sort of veered mm -hmm. off of that. What what did you make of him? Like to me, I mean, you really tried to give him the opportunity to say, this is your company now. Like, how are you making it yours? And he almost was like, oh, there's that a lot right. of people who run it. Like, I don't know. What did you make of that whole that thing? That gives me insight into right. him, doesn't it? Jeff Bezos would have been like, <laughs> you know, he's a narcissist in charge, essentially. Right. Uh, I, I, I notice he's not a narcissist. I notice it probably will be, he reminds me a great deal of Satya Nadella, actually, who now has come into his own and right. will take credit. But the first interview I did with Satya after he got the CEO ship was not a very good interview. He was very deferential to previous administrations. <laughs> Do you think though, they're worried, though, they'll get it taken away? It's like it's not firmly in their sure, hands yet. And sure. they're sort of like, yeah. oh, I need to still worry about the well, old boss. Well, he's also in a, he, you know, the stock is down. They've got a lot of challenges. There's regulatory scrutiny. He's been very aggressive behind the scenes on this regulatory stuff. Jeff never went to Washington. This guy goes all the time from, I mean, I hear about him here all the time. I think he—he's a much—he's a different personality, and I think it's very difficult if you're not the founder, because when you're the founder, you can be any kind of asshole you want, right? Because you're the founder and you're the god, and so if you're the second person, it's harder to hold on to. Like, it's interesting because Sundar is the second person, really. I wouldn't—I wouldn't count Eric Schmidt because I thought that was a troika. Uh, Sacha is the second person. So Ted Sarandos, although he was there very early, and so is Jesse, and so I think they—they're not as confident as you think in their. And they've got a sort of – Tim did a great job of it, by the way. Th think about inheriting from Jobs. Oh, my God. Nothing but failure, right? There's, if it goes well, they're like, oh, it was Jobs. And if it goes not well, oh, Cook sucks. And there was a lot of shakeout of executives then. Um, several left, several big executives, although the, the main team – Eddie Q was backstage. I was like, oh, you, you're still here. Still here, Eddie Q. A lot of the, a lot of the, the, the team is still in place, right. which is interesting. But there was a huge amount of shakeup before he found his way, right? Before he found his way. And he's, you know, 10, 10x that company's value, which is amazing. With, I mean, with Jassy, I mean, this fits into sort of a theme I was getting at before, like the union question. I thought he sort of skewered himself and that he couldn't get out of it fast enough. Yeah, But like- there, there's a different sort of version of reporting. Maybe, I don't know, what we see on some like Aaron Sorkin show or something where you're mm -hmm. just like, if you think the union thing's the wrong thing they're doing, like you never move off of it. Or like, how do you think sort of philosophically I think about he thinks that. I think he thinks that unions suck. I think he thinks that. No, but I'm saying you is the questioner. Like how long oh, do you like I, make them I think he's got it? a point that unions suck. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I think he, they have, what have they, right. what have they, what have they done for me lately kind of right. thing? And right. so, and I think they've done it to themselves in many ways. They're, if, 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 here's the two issues is Amazon is paying people more. They do have better benefits. Would they have gotten those through a union? Unions like to sort of come, I got this scalp for you. You know what I mean? The <laughs> right. problem is 
which I point out to him was the worker still then has no leverage whatsoever. There's no, you're sort of, they rely on the kindness of billionaire strangers, right? And there's reasons for them to be nice. You keep people, you, you know, you, 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 you avoid uh, regulatory scrutiny, the nicer you are, this and that. And maybe just in and of itself, you build a better company if people are actually happy there. And so there's great arguments to be made. What was interesting is Christian Smalls showed up. I, he called, they called me from the airport and he got there too late. I would have liked oh, Christian I didn't know to that. Ask. Yeah, been, he was there. He was great. He's a great guy. That, huh? Yeah, but he, but Annie Jesse is right. It's one. It's one warehouse in the country. It's uh, this is as Scott points out in today's pivot. It's not a you know. It's not the. It's not the French Revolution happening. It's just one. Same thing with Starbucks. It's one store in wherever the heck that one store unionized. And so, I think what's. I wanted to hear. I think he thinks that. I think he actually thinks that that unions are useless. They're just a pain in the ass. I don't think he's doing it because they are going to cost them more money because uh, I think what's going to what has to I think Jassy in that case, I think the federal government should just mandate twenty five dollars an hour. That's it. Done. And then what do you need a union for? And then you then unions have to reconfigure themselves into something that's useful. So, so part of your answer is, oh, the amount I'm going to hold them on it is how bad do I think the actual issue is versus sort of. Yes, I want to think about right. it because he has a point. He has he has a point at the same time. He also is leaving out the very pertinent fact that they the workers have no leverage around safety. They don't have any transparency. Uh, they, you know, the the numbers that they make them do, you know, some of it, of course, is great fodder for reporting. They have to pee in the whatever the heck, <laughs> whatever. I think they don't have any power, right? So that's what I find interesting about it. Not not whether Amazon pays them eighteen dollars, which is a much better wage than most people in retail. Tom, aren't you aren't you going to weigh on this? You just wrote a story about how like uh, yeah. GoPuff tried to implement Amazon's uh, sort of workplace conditions and it like destroyed the company. I don't. Yeah, because they're bad at it. <laughs> yeah, GoPuff is 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 bad at it. I I, I mean I don't know. There, there's a lot to there's a lot to un- unpack with this topic in general. I guess yeah, we're not going to solve the union issue. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I guess what I would be more interested in, in maybe hearing from them is how the anti-union argument has shifted from a lot of these companies. Because back in the day, they used to say, a union is going to get in the way between the bosses and the employees. Mm-hmm. And we're a family. We're right. all a family together. And, and you don't want to... doing that. No, no. Because what, what Amazon has very craftily done, in my opinion, is they've said, you're not going to work at an Amazon warehouse that much. We're going to help you get a job to do things you really want to do. So why mm-hmm. would you want to waste your time and your paycheck Good argument. going into a union when this is just a, you know, some sort of a launching pad to you, you know, starting your Instagram, you know, influencer career as like a, you know, dog makeup purveyor. I don't think they say that, but yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Right. But yeah, yeah. And, and so I find it very interesting that Amazon basically has decided that we have a transient workforce. Yeah. And so a, a union would slow that down. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that would affect their business model. So that I, is I do 100%. think it's... You know, I yeah. thought that movie Nomadland was very good because... She didn't hate the work she was doing, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. It could have gone a very different way. That movie, I didn't like. Right? That, but I thought no, it was I, interesting. I, you know, and they got a lot of. It could have from... been a very like <laughs> Norma Ray that kind right. of thing, but it didn't. Yeah. It was very confusing and right. very complex. It didn't have a clear moral answer. Is. It was good because right. and, and there the way, isn't yeah. one. You know, yeah, and back to the journalist aspect of it. I mean, we've we've harped on this on the show before because I you know covered labor for the last eighteen mm-hmm. months. I think journalists really fucked up the story around unions and Amazon because they made it seem like it was going to be a slam dunk proposition. And then yeah. every Amazon warehouse in the country was going to unionize. And when it came down to it, you know, the big one in Alabama was a failure. Um, the one in, you know, that Christian Smalls led, that was a success, but it seems isolated right now. And so I think reporters need to do a much better job of understanding the sentiment that people right, in the warehouses the have before you start pushing your own personal political agenda. Like, I am pro-union. I don't mind saying that. You know, I do think they are a good thing. I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but... I, I think reporters are. Have, uh, no, I'm not anti-union. I'm pro-good union, but a lot of unions suck. That's really. Yeah. Uh, and they well, really they've been do. weakened in this country. But you know, union uh, sentiment is very strong. You know, right. I, I don't want to. I don't want this to become the whole episode. You know yeah. who's good? Entertainment unions are really interesting. They yeah. have more mm-hmm. power. They have more leverage. Well, like and sectoral unions are super interesting generally. Certain yeah. ones do very yeah. well, and so I think it's not the worst thing in the world to say. Maybe y'all should rethink. If we are sitting there telling the billionaires to rethink their business, unions are big businesses too, and have been over the years. Rethink your fucking business because mm-hmm. it's it's declining. Yeah, so on anyway, your pitch. Can, yeah. can I ask you, though, just on, on the topic sure. of hard questions, though, mm-hmm. you, you are an opinionated person and mm-hmm. you do want to press these people. How much do you think about where the audience sentiment is and whether they're going to go along with you 
on this frame. Because like, look, a lot of the people there, it's big business. It's not cheap going to this mm-hmm. thing. So it's people that have means. They're probably going to be aligned yep. to a degree with the founders. I know there are people that ask hard questions and shit, usually for their own selfish reasons, you know, like, you know, why does Google or why does Apple not allow? <laughs> I like my Luther brother Lowe asking about, <laughs> I like my brother asking about the private jets, although he certainly would like one for himself, but yeah, uh, to sure. John Doerr. But, but do you ever worry like, okay, if I go on too long in this line, I'm going to lose the audience and we're not no. going to have, you know, the kind of revealing conversation that I'd actually no. want to get? No, no. You never. Care. I think it's interesting because what I think, I think I do do something that I think others do not do is one, I don't follow along the questions. I had them there, but I don't, I don't follow a script very much. And I go off when I hear something, like I listen to what I'm talking about and I could go off on a tangent when there's something interesting. And I'm, I think I'm a little funny. I think I'm funny. And the way I skewer people is a little funnier. And uh, you know, I think I'm funny, but I think I am. You I are. Think... And you're good to cut. You cut in with a short thing that says, no, no. that's not, or like something yeah. quick. So you're so not no. like over inserting yourself into it, but you're checking them a little when bit. When I started code, I was much more snarky and uh, I would say, I hate to say this about a woman, but shrill. I'm saying about myself. <laughs> Your words. Yeah, we're not. Uh... Yeah, I was shrill. And and I think I learned there's a better way to interview and, it, and without sucking up. There's a way to have a, com- a conversation. When you're in a regular conversation with someone, that's how I think about it. You don't like constantly attack people. You don't constantly right. kiss up to them. And so one thing that I, I think I do do very well, I'm a good negger. I'm a really good negger, <laughs> white man. I'm sorry, it's true, of, of men in general. But I, I want to ask about a couple code and all things D moments from past because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, sure. I sort of see them as formative in the way that journalists approach the relationship with CEOs. And mm-hmm. um, one of them is obviously the moment where you're interviewing Zuck mm-hmm. and he, you know, he, he starts sweating like buckets up yeah. on there as you and Walt are talking about privacy. And, you know, this was, they're starting to make their march towards share everything. And, and, you know, people were uncomfortable with that. And Zuck, I mean, really, he must have had some sort of condition at the time because the guy was sweating so much, and and you know he took off his hoodie. And you he told him made to a... take it off, right? Or didn't you? Or I did. Yeah, I did. Well, because yeah. he was going to faint. I had some knowledge. He had fainted before. Oh I'd my heard god! From I don't maybe Owen Van Otto, someone. He had panic attacks of some sort, and at company meetings, he had gotten lightheaded um, oh, many times. And so I was aware of that. And he and his face, you couldn't see it from where you were. Where, where I, I don't think you were there, but no, no, the, was, the video his, of it is his face. Stark. You couldn't see it. His face went white, and it, I've yeah. seen people faint. And so I thought, oh my god, he'll faint. And then he'll be on the floor, and right. then I'll never have an interview again right. with anybody. Right. The calculation right. is like, I, good I moment. But yeah. I yeah. killed the most promising <laughs> entrepreneur in tech. Pushed right. him to an anxiety attack, but not beyond. And then I'd have to like <laughs> lean down and touch him. And the whole I was like, I, it was all going in my brain. And I thought he might faint. I thought he might faint. Thought he yeah. Faint. But you, I thought you handled that in a very, you know, uh, I think comforting way, but also it wasn't like, I'm sorry for having asked you the questions that maybe led you to having a panic attack. It was Mm -hmm. like, do you need a moment? Um, But we're going to continue down this line of questioning because they're important. It was human. There's no reason to, I mean, actually Walt was the one asking the questions, but I felt it was, someone said it was motherly, which is interesting. I mean, I am a parent. I have a lot of kids, but I I just felt like this guy is obviously in physical distress. Am I really going to like kick him in the nuts? Like, I don't really feel like that was it. And I wanted to stop it. Because he didn't, he was beside himself. He he didn't, and he didn't want to admit he was beside himself because he was in public. Right. And so I wanted to take, and one of the reasons I made the the, the jokes about the oh the Illuminati, and that the reason I took that hoodie is because it gave him a second to right. people looking at me, so they weren't looking at him, and then he he calmed down, like he calmed down, and he needed that because when people are in those panic attacks or. Or, or if faint, they just need a minute. He needed a minute and he was a very young CEO and I think he was embarrassed. I mean, he, he wrote me a lovely note afterward. I'll tell you that. He really did. And one person wrote me a mean note, but it was one of their VCs. Uh, and then, and then, he, and then he, Zuck he, v- he vowed to never show another human emotion during an interview again for the rest of his career. <laughs> no. Then he did the one of the Holocaust with me, um, where he said Holocaust deniers don't mean to lie and got him in trouble. Well, I that was just a horrible line that was fed to him that just should have no, been no, thought no, about. No, no, no. You think that was spontaneous? That was in no, the moment? No, here's what happened. I was That must have been there. Rachel Whetstone sort of saying. <laughs> Rachel like, was there. Rachel was there. Yeah. What yeah. was happening is I was asking about Alex Jones. I was not asking about Holocaust deniers, right? And I, I, Mark's not very fast on his feet. That's the problem. I don't blame Rachel. Yeah. He's just not fast on his Wait, feet. They, the Holocaust thing was intentional. Right? They prepped no. that. Yes. No. I am I Here's am very... the problem. Here's the problem. I was talking about Alex Jones. I was never talking about Holocaust. And I think they prepped a lot of stuff with him. 
And he, he, he said, I'll take this tool off the shelf. I'll, I'll pick them. Because right. They, they that's talked about the Holocaust reflects the principles. Well, exactly. So he, they must have given him six or seven. And he said, I'll pick this one, which was a mistake. Because right. he's not good on his feet. And so, again, it's not the PR person's fault. It's his fault. So we were talking about Alex Jones. He did. He felt cornered. And he knew he was wrong. And he didn't want to say it. And so he, so he, the thing he did, and it, I watched him do it. It was really fascinating. And he goes, because he's so like... One thing about Mark is you literally watch the wheels work and you're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like you can see him because he's so bad. He's not smooth in any way. He may have gotten bad. He still is not good. Um, no. And so uh, he's so not self-aware of how to handle himself in that regard. So <laughs> he he said, oh, let me give another example. They must have done that. Like switch. If you're in trouble, switch. And so which is what people do. And he goes, as a Jew, he, it was like it was as a Jew. I right. would talk about Holocaust. That was what he was trying to do. Even right. I, a Jewish person, I mean, right. anybody would be horrified by you. But nonetheless, I get what they were trying to do. And so I actually he, don't. I mean, the like, as a Jew thing is a smart starting point, but I didn't expect him to go off into, we need to give credibility to but, the but possibility. He couldn't, he couldn't stop. He couldn't Even yeah. in the case that's oh worst for me, that I would be most appalled by, I'm mm-hmm. willing to stand by That is what he was trying principles. to do, but he's so ham-handed that right. he then walked down. And- one of the things I did, I think that I have to say this was my best moment as an interviewer. Wow. He said, Holocaust, no, this was it. This was, he goes, Holocaust deniers don't mean to lie. Right. Right? right. Something like that. It was uh, a version right. of that. It's naive. And everything. There's so right. much there that's right. bad. And someone who's running the most important <laughs> right. technology company right. and communications company on the planet thinks that. You're like, right. oh, are you, you can't be that stupid. Oh, they're just and good so, faith. <laughs> yes. And so he said that, and I could have said, you fucking idiot. Of course they mean to lie. That's their business. They killed people and then they right. lied about it. Right. Like, of course yeah. they mean to lie. It's how it I works. Didn't say, I didn't say a word. I went, huh, I think they do, but go on. And when <laughs> I said go on, that was the best thing I've ever done in an interview. Because sure, then he did. Because like, then it was a word salad of insanity. Right. right. And, you, and what that showed, that word salad was, this is how he thinks people. I want you to hear what how on his feet what he's thinking we've got a problem houston right cuz this is how this is the man who runs everything can't figure it out he's not educated enough so that was what i was trying to show is that he was inadequate to the task at hand that he was responsible for and i think that did that beautifully do you think if he had a more clear vision of online discourse and and censorship and and the role that facebook could play things would genuinely be different in the way that they in the way that things are handled on that site or just online conversation and, and rancor in general? Yes, because I think what they were doing in other countries, not this country, because we've got lots mm-hmm. of outlets. Um, I think the damage they didn't, I think Francis Haugen was 100% right. What they did, in, and, and it's been reported by lots of people, uh, people who are sure, in Myanmar there. or Burma, right. Everywhere. Horrific. Everywhere where Facebook is the internet, they have caused untold damage because they're sloppy managers of their platform that is the internet. They are, they are not good uh, stewards of the the thing they think. And I think it's fine in this country and it's not great in this country, by the way. And that's why when Maria Ressa brought me that data in 2015, that's why I flipped on Facebook. I mean, I wasn't ever that friendly to them, but I was like, oh, oh. And she's like, it's going to come here where the canary in the coal mine. She had proof, she had data and they ignored it. They ignored it. And so I was like, huh, why are they ignoring it? Why don't they do something about it? That means they are like uh, cigarette manufacturers, which Mark Benioff said in an interview with me. Mm-hmm. On the the last portion of this interview, I mean, I, I want to talk about sort of the uh, fascinating sort of headline of this year's code where you had TikTok. Well, oh, I was well, TikTok was a theme, but she I was, was coming. Vanessa Pappas was coming. Was she, she supposed got to sick. be? Oh, was she supposed? She was. No. She got sick oh, a no. couple, no, couple no. days. Ahead. I mean, the Laureen Powell Jobs, Tim oh, Cook, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Ive. I mean, reflecting on. Steve Jobs, you know, on the one hand, sort of as the, you know, the news person, it's like, oh, we're going to talk about sort of the past mm-hmm. and not the headlines. Mm-hmm. But but then it ended up being a really moving thing. I think you you teared up, right? Which I is, unusual. I, is unusual. I mean, I haven't seen all your interviews, but I, that was a touching moment. Yeah. I don't know what what was your sort of goal with that interview going into it. Exactly that. Not me tearing up necessarily, but um, <laughs> I wanted, I, I know that what everybody wants in the moment. What's the iPhone? What's Dynamic Island? Who the fuck cares? Like, right. there should be another one next year. That's what I thought. One, 
Two, we said our first interview was, I have had a premise of the death of Steve Jobs was a very big deal in Silicon Valley. It changed. There was a other lesser people, whatever you think of him, he was still had a lot of really cool ideas and you could argue with him about it. And he liked debate. That was one interesting thing. Other CEOs don't like debate. He really did. Trust you guys me. definitely I, treated him like Jesus up there. It was, no, I mean, no, it, no, yes, no, you no. did. No, no. <laughs> Tim, and Tim Cook literally said, like, he Steve he told us not to ask what would Steve Jobs do. So that you know, there, is were, there, there was that is sure they they knew enough to say, okay, we're not going to treat him like Jesus. But he definitely had a sort of but but saint-like. think about iconic figures. He was an iconic figure, and so right. he was the first interview. Let me just tell you, he didn't need to come to code. He came to all of the ones we asked him to. Right. And he was—he gave as good as he got. I'll tell right. you that he never—he lied sometimes. And he said, <laughs> "Yeah, I lied." He would argue. You'd say that's disingenuous. He goes, "Is it? Oh, I guess it is. I'm really manipulating you." It was such a pleasure to interview him because it was—it was—it challenged you, right? right. He wasn't—he was given as. He, but I have to say, he wasn't. It was always fascinating. It was always it, it insightful. That that paragraph he did at one of our codes about privacy. Go watch that thing. That's a smart fucking person. Oh, they're all great. I mean, they're fun to. Re-watch. I mean, really, that's what I mean about Mark Zuckerberg. He doesn't have an. He, he, he should have finished college or at least read more <laughs> or something. Not college because Steve left college. Steve was well read and thought very carefully, and that's what I wanted to talk about. The second part was, it, it was it, the first interview with Steve, and I wanted to talk about his legacy. Like, and so, and the last part is this is my fucking conference. I'll do whatever I want, right? I want it, I wanted it to be sentimental. I wanted it to be remember when this was a lot simpler. Remember when you didn't all have all this money and all this power. Remember when you were making things for the beauty of them, when technology was delightful and it wasn't about a sort of rapacious suckage of information or money. Well, I thought there or- were a great moment in that interview you had Walt Mossberg asked this question. You know, would would Steve Jobs have been as obsessed with the markets as mm-hmm. the world is about Apple today? And Tim Cook totally agrees with that and says, no, he would have been very product focused. But but to me, it felt like such an implicit critique of Tim Cook that he is this steward of a company that's so mm-hmm. rooted in making mm-hmm. money. I, I think they don't. If I had to pick companies that don't think about money, they'd be on the top of them. I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> the think, one that I, makes the most. I mean, well, that's they sort didn't, of. They didn't make a lot for a long time, right? right. So that's in their heads, like right. in the heads. So they're like my grandmother grew up in the depression, and she had, at the end had lots of money, and she wore a house dress, right, like all the time. And so, I think they, I, they're not as fixated on stock, or else they could think about. Let me go to someone else that I interviewed recently, Monica Lewinsky. Think of all the things she could have done and the things she didn't. She could have written a tell-all. She could have done documentaries about Bill Clinton. She could have talked about Bill Clinton's penis for years. She never did. She made choices she didn't. Think of the things Apple could do if they really wanted to make money. They could have gone the Facebook route. They could have done... They could have... Fuck privacy. What do do we care? We're sucking up all this information. Uh, Yeah, but there's a whole this argument that this privacy campaign is... Good for Apple's bottom line. It is line. good for they, Apple's. They so roll what? out a new, like you sort of joke. Tim Cook insists that they're this like super innovative company, and then he rolls out a new phone every year. That's like incremental. I mean, phone. I like Apple. I love Apple products. It's a good phone. He's but a he, good steward, but I'm not here to defend Apple. Steve but Jobs they could think about what they could pick. That's yeah. all I'm saying. And Facebook picked all those things and didn't mind it in any way. Right. Like, yes, we're going to be a rapacious. Right. Walt calls them a, a information. <laughs> Thief, and they are. They are. Yeah. They're rapacious information thieves, and so I, that's how I like to think of it. And in that question, I think he's correct. I think they, if I had to pick a company that cares about the quality of the products, them. I think Evan Spiegel is another person. Even if he's not now, he's not, on the other side is is getting his ass kicked. Great products. That Pixie is a wonderful product. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good business. That's different. Right. Those are two different things. And maybe someday these things will be well. And I always think of like. You know, speaking of Apple, they made the Newton. That didn't work, but boy, was it directionally correct, right? There was another one, General Magic, the General Magic device. It was an iPhone. Did you sure. swear off uh, asking about any beef between Tim Cook and Johnny Ive? No, you just I don't, didn't think I, it Because I know or? it's it's not really true. That's a that's a press. They love – who don't you get along with at Bloomberg, Eric? Yeah, Tim Cook's not a guy who really like goes off he and doesn't. has beefs with he people. He just doesn't. It's it not, doesn't make, not like, But seriously, think about yeah. Bloomberg. Right. You guys are a fucking – when you were there, what a hot fucking mess those people hated sure. each other. What's the fucking difference? I don't care. Did it matter? I don't I know. I love the – all the conflicts, it, interpersonal conflicts are some of the best news stories. I don't know. It also was 
would he be there if he, they had a real beef? No. Right. I, I agree. There's always this sort of like, oh, they have, they have a beef, but yet they spend all this time together. Here's, and- here's how I look at those stories. Who the fuck cares? Does it matter? Does it matter? The same thing when we were writing about Sergey sleeping with the lady from Glass, right? We had heard a lot. There, Google was full of that kind of stuff, you know, right. for years. And some of it we should have covered, by the way, much heavier. But it was a it was a different time. Like there was Especially a lot the of Andy Rubin stuff. Yes, we did. We did cover that. We did cover that. But let me just tell you why. Pretty late, though. We we, we absolutely um, we broke that story because he was sleeping with someone who was running a major division, and it had huge repercussions within the company, including the divorce on the stock. So it was a business story. It was right. everyone sort of was like, "Why are you covering their personal lives?" I'm like, "Are you kidding me? This is a business story." And so that's what I'm saying. If Johnny Ive and Tim Cook not getting along affected the business, you sure as hell we right. cover it. Otherwise, I don't care. Right. Can, I, can I go back for a second to to uh, Steve Jobs, and, and we can maybe end yeah. on this sure. point here, and and his death sort of being a significant moment for Silicon yeah. Valley, because this also relates to the other great moment that you've had in the code, all things D, you know, history, which was you know the the Bill Gates Steve Jobs interview mm, in two thousand seven, which is you know I watched it the other day. It's genuinely moving. It is. It was wonderful. Man, my takeaway from it, and I think that we forget when you watch Steve Jobs, the guy is amazingly charismatic. He is. In a way that I, you just don't see among CEOs these days. I mean, like, when he talks, you listen. He knows how to tell a story. You, you know that he means the things that he says, mm-hmm. uh, which is not usually the case with a lot of Even when guys. he commits himself to mean the lies that he's giving. But yeah. I'm not saying he's a truthful guy. <laughs> but then he said he's a lie. I mean, <laughs> yeah, anyway, anyway, I don't mean to derail. You're an You're adult, a, Eric. Right. Who yes. yeah. do you care if you lie? I mean, you know. Let Tom ask his question. Yeah, I've gone back and forth as a tech reporter as to like the role that Steve Jobs plays because people do deify him because he is so much more interesting than a lot of the characters these days. But I also see him as kind of a destructive force because so many CEOs want to be like him and just aren't. They don't. They don't want to be like him. They actually want the the shitty parts. Like, look, if you go back now and look at everyone, he's so difficult. I'm like, really? Like on any given fucking Tuesday, Elon Musk says 17 more offensive things than Steve Jobs said in his whole life, right? Right. And Steve Jobs would face his critics, whereas Elon is not. Yeah, he just he just rags them. I can't imagine Steve Jobs behaving. I don't think he'd like it at all. He'd be like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like- the stuff around the car driving I was joking about, he like act like a jerk, but who cares if he parked funny? Like that was always the story. Remember that was a story? Yeah, sure remember, I do. He was parking in like other people's spaces and the handicap. And- right. Whatever. Yeah. It's so minor. It's so like, I, I, he shouldn't park in a handicap gun, but he's dead. So here we are. Um, and so one of the things that I think has happened is they tried to be cheap versions of him and shitty versions of him. And he wasn't a shitty version of himself. He was warts and all, very difficult, could be obstreperous, but he was also passionate and creative and interesting and constantly thinking. And he could be an asshole too. These guys are mostly an asshole and can be creative. I, the one that disappoints me most is Elon, who I actually like. I had him last year. I thought about having him this year. I asked him and then I thought, no, no, maybe not. I didn't what? want to deal with Why wouldn't with you want him this year? This because I don't want to listen time. to him. I, but he I said really, no? Or? But nobody challenges no, this guy. I, never I mean, heard that would have been valuable. Time. Elon just no, goes on the fucking all-in you know, conference and they just ask him nothing right. for, no, for like I agree. 30 minutes. I agree. I agree. But you know what? I just didn't want to listen to him. I've heard enough from him. That's what I felt like. I, he's, not, he's, he's, he's doing stuff in plain sight. And I don't think he'd do any insights. And we would argue. And people might be entertained. But it just would be. I, I feel like if you're going to do it, you need to beg him to take a good night's sleep beforehand. Like half the time. I just like was like, I, you know what? When you come back to. And by the way, I find him to be a genuine visionary. I really oh, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. When he cut, when he wakes up and wants to act like a man, he can call me. That's how I feel like it. You know what I mean? Like, and if he wants to make dumb meme jokes, I like them. I like them. Those are funny. But some mm-hmm. of this is bullshit, and I just didn't want to hear it. I just didn't want to hear it. I, he didn't say yes. I, do, I, do I, I wrote him. I asked him. So I, I mean, politics was such a huge part of the conference. Mm-hmm. You had the candidates, but then there's this also the tech political moderates mm-hmm. dealing with politics. I mean, you had Mark Cuban sure. sort of professing to hate yep. Democrats and Republicans somewhat equally. Probably his sort of most negative comments were about Elizabeth Warren. And then in the... the <laughs> yeah, she's... Which I thought was strange, personally. But the... Um, oh, I don't g- Given strange. his political views. Anyway, but then on the the Tim Cook, Johnny Ive, uh, Lorene Powell Jobs interview, you know, Lorene and Tim both said that they thought... Steve Jobs would have been upset about the political partisan moment. But I didn't feel like they spelled out whether they would mm-hmm. you'd be upset about Trumpism 
cancel culture or like what I, I felt like, and they oh, yeah. didn't really, they weren't willing to go there Trumpism. and say what they, yeah, you think it was Trumpism. Trumpism. Oh, Lorraine has been very on the record. She, Trump, she so. has, but Tim Cook, obviously. I mean, you know, Tim Cook lives in a world where he has to deal with the federal government. Like he lives in the, he can't just go. I, because you know, he's I, a stock I, price I, optimizer. I mean, that's, yeah, sort of, that's no, the I just, parallel He's not like that I'm either. It's here. not his personality to slag. He's not, he's very measured. He just is. That's just the way he is. You may not like it, but that's what he's like. He's not hiding or anything else. It's just not, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to engage. Um, he would have, he's not very, he is, he's very supportive of gay issues, but he could be very like, I'm a big gay. Stop being mean <laughs> to gays. But he's just not, that's not the gay he is. So whatever. Right. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but I think that she was saying, one of the things that was really striking about Steve Jobs, and most people don't know this, is he had a relationship with Rupert Murdoch. And what he was trying to do was change his mind. He would hmm. always try to be like, know this, know that. You're being very negative. Instead of saying, you suck. And you're like the way I, I liked what John Stewart did. You know, you're ruining our country to Tucker Carlson many years ago. He did a very behind the scenes trying to convince Rupert Murdoch what he was doing was dangerous. And that's what, you know, Anand was talking about with persuasion. And some people today, that's not good enough. We have to all have to be like pitchforks at each other. That's the only way. The only way is going to be a civil war. And that's that. I think it would have been an interesting moment. And what she was saying is even he who would engage with people he didn't agree with couldn't have handled this moment, would, be, would have been opposed to Donald Trump would have been vocal about right. it. I think that's what that's but what it, But it was. felt, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a well, lot of the Well, she said he was that, patriotic. What's happening would right. have, I think it would have appalled him in the, in the time I knew him. Right. He, was a, he was an odd, you never knew where he was coming from. But one of the things, um, I'll tell one story, the last story. I told one story when he said, came out and told me Ping sucked the day they announced it, which I loved about that. And he's like, it does suck. It sucks, doesn't it? I'm going to get rid of it. <laughs> and he, uh, he came out one time and uh, Walt wasn't there. He loved Walt. You know what I mean? And he, when he saw me, he's like, he, he's, at first I was just irritating and then he kind of liked me, but I don't really care. It's like, it, whatever. He, but he, he, he liked Walt. He just liked Walt better. That's all. And right. they had a really interesting and unique relationship because they, he had been young and fucked up when he met Walt. Like he wasn't Steve Jobs. He, he was on the ropes when he knew Walt. Same thing with Gates. You know, he started the company when he knew Walt and stuff. So they had a very different relationship. And he came out and he was looking for Walt. You could see he's like, well, he wanted to see what Walt thought of his, what he made. And he wasn't there because he always liked his insight. He was always looking for that. That was 100% true. When he said he always wanted, he always called people. Lorraine talked about that. He did. Yeah. He called people constantly. Uh, he wasn't as confident as he seemed. He definitely wanted people to know what they thought, what they made, and this and that. And so he was looking for Walt to get insight into what they had done. And they had done a, a thing, an iPad that you could use with the keyboard. It's, I think it was one, something like that. It wasn't a keyboard, but it was in it and stuff. And so he was sort of looking for him. He was sort of crestfallen that Walt wasn't there. He was like, oh, okay, you, I'll talk to you. You're the closest thing to Walt. Uh, and so he came up to me and he's like, where's Walt? And I was like, okay, we're going to be talking about Walt. And right. I said, he's in Paris with his wife on vacation. He hasn't taken a vacation in 100 years. And she wouldn't let him take the laptop so he wouldn't work because uh, that was, you know, this was pre a lot of this stuff. And but she took the iPad that has the keyboard and he wanted to see if he could live without a key, you know, that life, you know, if he could do it. And I said, but but and it's working because this it's working really well. Actually, he's finding it very useful to type on the on the iPad. And if you've ever seen Walt, Walt's very fast on an iPad. And I said, and she's pissed. She's pissed right now because it's working. And he looked at me and he goes, I could turn it off. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have to say, I was it. like, I like you. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. And I said, you could? He goes, oh, yeah. Yeah. One and call. then he walked away. I was and like, yeah. where's the story going? What did, I, imagine Travis Kalanick says that, though, you know. Uh, oh. It is sort of... He, oh. And he did look at people's things. Oh, by the way, he did know where I was getting in and out of a fucking Uber, I'm sure. But and, and in a malevolent way. But it was one of the I love that moment. Yeah, he could really tell a joke. And that also comes through in your interview with him and Bill Gates. Um, yeah, he's he he's really, genuinely oh, the, funny. The gay one for many years now. 
that got Gates behind the scenes. It was even better. Wait, back in the green room, I'll be writing about it in my memoir. But it was they had such a relationship. But when I said what, wait, I'm sorry, did you say he called Bill Gates gay? I didn't. No, this is what he did. I said, what's something about your relationship that you don't that people don't know? And he said, for a long time now, we've been married or something like that. (laughs) And it was so great because he knew that Bill Gates wasn't anti-gay, but he was uncomfortable, as many straight men are when you make gay remarks at them. And so Bill Gates, you could see, if you were sitting next to him, his eyes was like, what do I say? If I say something anti-gay, I can't do that. And yet, I'm not gay. I want to say I'm not gay. And he was like, (laughs) he got him. He got him. And Steve Jobs loved doing that to Bill Gates. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. He did it all the time. My, my, my favorite thing, I think this is from the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs uh, biography, mm-hmm. was saying that the big mistake that Bill Gates made is that he never took acid in the 60s. Uh-huh, that's and that's true. why he never had a creative bone in his body. That's true. I, yeah. I, I, it's interesting because I don't think any of those people on the stage like the Walter Isaacson book, interestingly enough. I think one of the things <laughs> that people got wrong. Do you think it's accurate? Some of it. Some of it, it did. Uh, here's what I don't think it got. I, and I like Walter. He's working on an Elon book. He's with Elon right. all the time now, hmm. which is crazy. Walter's always in the right place at the right time um, or the wrong time, whatever. No, sell books. I, he's a very talented man. Yeah. I think what it got wrong and what many stuff gets wrong, and I said it on stage, is everybody thought Steve Jobs was heartless. He was not heartless. He, was, uh, he had too much. And it manifested itself in good ways and really unpleasant ways. And so when he didn't like something, it, it, it came out stronger. Like he just, I don't say like, I didn't want to say he cared more, but he cared too much in some cases. And I, I think he he was too passionate and too, and he was aggressive in that way. And I think that it, there's a very big difference between being heartless and having too much heart. It can manifest itself. It doesn't make you nice if you have too much heart necessarily. And I think that was, again, like I was saying, and I'll end on this, people are complex. These people are complex. And now they have enormous power and no matter what happens, character outs, right? Yeah. If you're a shitty person and then you suddenly get a lot of power, hello, Donald Trump. You're, he's a shitty person. He'd be a shitty person poor, right? He's just, right. he had a shitty parents. He never was hugged as a child. He was also a bad seed. Without power, you know, you can sort of laugh at Donald Trump, but with power, like you're saying, sort of Yeah, it becomes. And so that's is, what these people are deciding. like. And so they, so I spend myself understanding them as people a lot of time, and I don't want to hug them. I don't want to be their friends at all. Some of them I be, I've liked. I like quite a bit. I like Mark Cuban. I really do. I like him personally. I always find something interesting talking about. But some people are, are, are like Brian Chesky. I really like him. I like him. I can see he's trying and struggling to be a better person. I like Evan in that way. And by the way, Evan and I started off being very testy with each other because of a lot of his frat bro thing, but he's evolved. Hmm, and me so you too, have, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. He's yeah. better. Yeah. So give him I think a break. he's matured a lot. Same thing with, um, the same thing with, uh, with Gates in a weird way. Um, uh, boy, did we have a real problem with each other. Um, all right. We, and, we could talk to you anyway, all day. I don't want so, to take you Anyway, thank we, you. We See, you've got me talking. For. See, I'm writing a memoir, so <laughs> I, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, when's that out? Uh, is, uh, when I write it? <laughs> when I finish it? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be funny. I'll tell I'm you excited. that. I'm excited. I'm very excited. It's going to be funny. I'm not you, settling you, scores. I'm, yeah. Well, I will in, by being funny, but, you know. Um, cool. All right, it's great. all about you, Eric. It's going to oh, be yeah, all yeah. about just, my time with Eric. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> That's what volume I two. I'm glad <laughs> you're doing your startup stuff. I'm glad Thank you're you. doing your stuff. Thank you. You're very. You're both very gifted reporters. You're both Thank you. Incredibly gifted. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Kara. Anytime. Goodbye. Silicon Valley. Goodbye, 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 goodbye.